found it. Walks into all styles. Oh, drives in. Unbelievable hit. Oh, Mountain has clung. Brody Grundy just put it through. You're beautiful. Do you like the sound of that? Australian football has a brand new home on Sirius XM. Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Chewie's got it in extra time. Drive it back to the top of the square. Norton will fly. Keep the goal and Fremantle win it after the siren. With unparalleled access to the AFL's greatest champions and most famous fans. Needs to score. He has kicked, kicked the goal. Lightning strikes twice. What's he doing? Security's got to get out of the way. Get out of the way, pal. Coming to you from the home of Australian rules football in Melbourne, Australia. He's the most connected man in Aussie rules. Broadcaster, media icon, club president. Here's Eddie Maguire. Thank you very much, Rosemary Walton. This is Sirius XM, Dan Patrick, Radio Channel 211. And this is Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor, who joins me. The man who kicked 100 goals for the Collingwood Magpies back in 1986. One of the great full forwards of our time. And if you want to speak to us, just email us at eddie.maguire at siriusxm.com. Welcome, Brian Taylor. G'day, Brian. G'day, Ed. Plenty on the show today. Looking forward to chatting with Aaron Phillips, a superstar WNBA champion, of course, a couple of times over there and played for Australia and playing in the AFLW football in Australia these days. Looking yeah, and of course her father was uh, inducted into the Australian Football Hall of Fame, the great Greg Phillips, former Port Adelaide in the South Australian National Football League champion and Collingwood player. So plenty to talk to her about and including mm. just where women's sport is going at the moment. It has been a huge uptick in participation and, uh, and, and real interest, if you like, here in Australia and right around the world. Uh, let's have a listen to the highlights from round 13 of the Toyota AFL Premiership season. The footy's on the radio. Uh, dream time in Darwin. Perfect conditions for footy and the ball's underway. Merritt, another one to McGrath. A short kick inside the Mosquito. 19 years of age. Irving Mosquito, his first game for the Bombers. He steps up, 40 out. It's not bad off the boot. He's done it. Oh, look at the Mosey. He's loving it. They come to him in numbers. Pushing forward, Adelaide. There's a foot race on. Can you believe it? McCannum somehow won the race and got the ball to his boot to get the goal. Out the back now, Fisher. Look at the pace. Couple of bounces. Third bounce runs towards goals. Get it to Eddie Betts. Yeah. Oh, sold the candy, Eddie. Burgoyne running. He's running to 53. A long raking ball. He's got it. Burgoyne's kicked a ripper. Melcham. Left foot long one inside 50. Take the snake from downtown. Dawson was third man up. Money in the crumbs. Here's Dacos. What can he do? Clever. Clever. Very clever. Great goal, Dacos. It is all cut. They have one in Darwin. Geelong go to second place on the ladder. Brisbane Lions going to win a thrill. The Dockers run out 31 point winners. Eight strike West Coast. It was the Dogs by 28 points. And Port Adelaide run out winners. But what a game of footy. Yeah, that was round 13. It was past us to Doug Nichols' round. And for our American friends, uh, Doug Nichols was one of the first Indigenous footballers to play in the AFL. He was the first Indigenous man to become a governor of a state. He was the governor of South Australia. An amazing story back in the early part of last century where he turned up to a football club and the trainers wouldn't rub his legs. Brian, because he was uh, a black man, 
and uh, they went down to the Fitzroy Football Club and carved the great career, was picked for State of Origin Football for Victoria and then went on to become just one of the great, a towering strength, not only in Indigenous Australia, but in Australia's community as a whole. So if you like, it sort of was black footballers matter over the weekend and yeah. the whole Australian community came together. It was a wonderful celebration. There's also been a controversy in recent times which we'll get to a little bit later in the show, in relation to the Indigenous flag, which has actually been appropriated for commercial deals, believe it or not. And uh, this is causing a lot of angst. We'll get to that later on because one of our special guests, one of the greatest footballers and uh, social activist, Michael Long, will be our special guest on our show this week. For me, the highlight of the round, Brian, was the goal of Irving Mosquito. He kicked two. Just the name, Irving Mosquito, young Indigenous man playing for Essendon. It was just magnificent. And his second goal where he hit the pack, ran into an open goal. The crowd went berserk. And to see all those Indigenous kids up there and families in Darwin watching the game, Essendon versus Richmond, was just, just sensational. And that'll be our game that we'll play right after our show today. Essendon, Richmond, the dream time at the T, the TIO Stadium, rather than the dream time at the G this year in Darwin rather than Melbourne. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. Now, Brian, the chances are the grand final will be played in Brisbane. Brisbane have played every game Mm. at home. They haven't had to leave their bed because of the COVID-19 situation, yet their first finals match might be in Adelaide. Might be the first time they travel all year for the first finals match against Port Adelaide. At the moment, South Australia and Western Australia lobbying, and I think they might have a, a pretty good case to have some of the early games in Western Australia and South Australia in a fly-in, fly-out scenario. And the favourites at the moment, which we should know a little bit later in the week, where the grand final will be played at the moment. It still looks like it could be the first AFL grand final played outside Mm. Melbourne at the Gabba in Brisbane. Uh, Mate, uh, let's have a look at some of the interesting situations. I speak of Brisbane and the hubs. Just about everybody in Brisbane at the moment, the West Coast Eagles are flying over there now to go back into the hub. They struggled at the start of the year. It'll be interesting to see how they go. But Brian, did you know that the AFL were threatening teams of being moved out of their accommodation, particularly the best accommodation, if they didn't look like they were going to make the finals? No, come have a listen to this. The Western Bulldogs used it pre-match as their motivation to win their match on oh. the weekend. Here's Mitch Wallace, superstar oh. of the Western Bulldogs, saying a good room, particularly with the families up there, was their motivation for victory on the weekend. <laughs> We're staying at the RACV complex, and it's a beautiful complex. And I think if we, we didn't get the chocolates yesterday, we may have been kicked out of here. So, um, yeah, that was, a, that was a just reward for a good effort. Yeah, that is a true story. The West Coast Eagles are saying, we're coming. Oh. And why are we going to be top four? Should we go to a lesser place than the Bulldogs in Essendon? And the, the AFL have put it to the Bulldogs in Essendon that, you know, if you're not going to make finals, we're going to put the top-end teams in the better spots and you guys have to move out. That is That's not very fair. That is, is genuine and true. Look, we use it as motivation, seriously. It was, it was actually mentioned in the pre-game that we, we really wanted to stay because we're loving it here. Um, I think the, yeah, the alternative is to go to Maroochydore, which is still a beautiful place, but uh, we're quite comfortable here and, and hopefully we keep winning so we can stay here. So, Brian, uh, last weekend, uh, of course, the families were able to go to the football for the first time because of the quarantine restrictions being dropped a bit in, in uh, Queensland. So uh, imagine it, you're, you're running out to play, you're lining up a goal and you're thinking, I love my new comfortable bed. There's a golf course next door. I love the gym. <laughs> my wife is happy. The kids are enjoying the playground. I better kick this one. Otherwise, I'm going to be sent out to the old English dormitory style accommodation, <laughs> which wouldn't be very Hogwarts. nice. That, but off the that, is, for you. that is absolutely amazing. But 
I just I just wonder whether it does make a little bit of sense for the teams that are going to be there the longest to now get into the good accommodation, yeah. given the fact that they are going to be there for the majority of uh, you know October. So it sort of makes a little bit of sense, but it seems harsh to me. Ah, well, bad luck. Winners are grinners and losers can please themselves, and that's what it should be all about. Now, Brian, one of the great things I love about your calling, you are the preeminent caller on Triple M Football and on Channel 7, is your love of a nickname. And you came up with a nickname for Big Ben McAvoy from the Hawthorne Football Club. He's one of the biggest men in football, and this is how Brian Taylor calls Ben McAvoy. Brian gives him the hurry up, goes in the big boy, McAvoy. Oh, well done, big boy. <laughs> Everyone calls him big boy now. Brian, do you know that they used that at the AFL Tribunal to get Sam Powell Pepper off a charge for a sling tackle because they said, you listen to Brian Taylor because he says this. Goes in the big boy, McAvoy. He's such a big boy that you have to drag him to the ground and that was the mitigating circumstance. Please, Tribunal, don't rub out Sam Powell Pepper. And they agreed. They said, yep, he is a big boy, McAvoy, and therefore you can play football next really? week for Port Adelaide. I completely missed that. I did not know that at all. But uh, it is funny, that the nicknames, how they come. Obviously, that's just a rhymer, big boy, McAvoy. But there have been plenty around, Ed, and we all know a great commentator in the name of Rex Hunt that did the footy quite a while back. But he was the he was the best at applying nicknames. Perhaps too many in the end, but did pretty well. At I'll, go, I'll go back a bit. The, the man who invented it all was the great Lou Richards. Uh, Lou Richards yes. was the one, uh, you know, I think uh, Rex will, will doff his cap towards Lou as the man who came up with such names yeah. as fabulous Phil Carmen, the flying doormat, Bruce Stool, lethal Lee Matthews, you name it, he so, had it. So when you're calling your footy, Ed, does it come into your mind, oh, I'd like to give that guy a nickname and you try and think of something or does it just come instinctively? Well, it sort of, yeah, it is instinctively. I, I suppose the ones that uh, have stuck that uh, I've given over the journey was the Velvet Sledgehammer to Matthew Lloyd. Uh, and that was more mm. on the footy show. It wasn't even in a call, but it was at, at a stage where he was belting into people. And uh, I think Matthew was trying to make himself a bit tougher than maybe what he was because uh, the fullbacks were belting the hell out of him at that stage. But he was starting to fix people up. And I was watching him closely and I thought, he's actually going in with his knee into, into marking contests. He's trying to whack blokes. And uh, we nicknamed him the Velvet Sledgehammer, which he liked for a while. And then he started getting a bit, a bit of a sledgehammer in return. So he went off it after a little while as well. And uh, Neon, Leon and a few others. But uh, Brian, your stuff has been fantastic. Hey, mate, uh, stick with us here on uh, Sirius FM. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Aaron Phillips, WNBA champion basketballer, the best women's footballer we have seen ever in our competition and the daughter of a Hall of Famer. She is joining us right here on Sirius XM on Dan Patrick Radio 211. This is Aussie Footy Rules America. Aaron Phillips, our special guest next. Basketball has become a global game. From legends such as Hakeem Olajuwon and Dirk Nowitzki to today's superstars like Giannis and Luka Doncic. Giannis to the rim, slam it with the left hand. There's no shortage of international talent in the NBA. World of Basketball with Fran Fraschilla is a podcast dedicated to profiling the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the sport in their countries. New episodes are available Thursday on the SiriusXM app and Pandora Podcasts. He's just an Aussie bloke having a yarn with the biggest celebrities Australia has to offer about the biggest sport down under. This is Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Yes, on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick, Radio 211. Great to have you with us on Aussie Footy Rules America. And America, you'll know this person because she is one of the greatest athletes Australia has ever, ever produced. 
She's the two-time WNBA champion. Erin Phillips played nine seasons in the WNBA in America for five different teams. She also represented Australia in the women's national basketball team, winning a gold medal at the 2006 World Championships, was the vice-captain, co-vice-captain at the 2016 Summer Olympics for Australia. Then she came back to Aussie and played Australian football a game that she grew up playing because her father, Greg, a Hall of Famer, was a superstar of the game. And Erin has absolutely stamped herself as the greatest women's footballer ever in our game. In four seasons, she was named the most valuable player of the season on two occasions. The other two times, Brian, she did her knee and couldn't go on. She also has won two premierships, and she is a superstar. Let's have a listen to Erin Phillips in action. Here's Phillips, a superstar. Another goal of the Crows. The winner of the 2017 AFLW, best and fairest, Erin Phillips. Built to Phillips. She kept oh, her feet. And another goal to Erin Phillips. There it is. Adelaide Premiers. Judged as best of field in the 2019 NAB AFL Women's Grand Final. Erin Phillips. I declare the winner of the 2019 AFLW Best and Ferris, Erin Phillips of the Adelaide Coast Football Club. There you go, Brian. I think she should change her name by deed poll to Erin Winner Phillips because that's all you hear when you hear her name yeah. is Winner. <laughs> She's a superstar and she joins us today on Aussie Footy Rules America. Erin, welcome to the show. G'day, boys. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you indeed. Now, tell me, you came back last year for two games after your knee reconstruction. How are you feeling? Yeah, look, feeling uh, much better. I mean, I, I was pushing it to, to get back uh, by 11 months, which I did, which I was happy with. And I think... Um, you know, with the season just cut short and having to restart this extra, what well, I guess, six months will, you know, will do me much better and I'll be ready 100% for uh, the next season. Erin, can you tell me, how do you tell your friends in America from the days of playing basketball in the WNBA about your career change to Australian <laughs> football? What do they say? Do they know what you're talking about? Actually, no. I actually have to physically show them videos of what Aussie rules is. And it's really funny because when I try to explain to Americans what Aussie rules are, they go, oh, it's like rugby. And I go, no, it's like soccer. And I go, no, it's, you know, there's a combination of things. So when I do show them um, actual footage of what what we do, what how we play, they just think we're absolutely crazy. They ask where the pads are. They ask, where's your helmets? And I go, no, mate, absolutely none of them. So, yeah, they absolutely love it both. And I tell you what, when I see the women footballers go, they really go. The physicality that's involved. Hey, Erin, yep. from for your understanding of you know living in America and looking at other sports, what mm-hmm. type of woman could come across and play Australian rules football? I've often speculated we should be looking at uh, volleyballers as much as mm-hmm. basketballers, uh, soccer players, obviously lacrosse players. What, yep. uh, what? Where do you look and think these are the people we should be recruiting from America to play our game? Oh, absolutely. All the sports that you said. Eddie, I think look, there's there's a massive potential to to go into the United States and recruit. I I usually go every year to the USA AFL Nationals. Um, last year it was in Sarasota, Florida, and to see some of the talent uh, there when they play Aussie Rules football is amazing. And you know they haven't even really tapped into the market. I mean, I think there's real potential in recruiting high school girls that just miss out on even getting uh, full scholarships uh, in you know, different sports. But like you said, uh, basketballers in particular always have, you know, some success here playing Aussie rules footy. There's some similarities. So, look, the, the athleticism over there is next level. You Obviously, you've got 
big big coxie over for the Collingwood, and he absolutely uh, loved the transition, and he's a, a massive advocate uh, over there in the USA for AFL. So hopefully we can see more um, American athletes come over, especially in the AFLW. So, Aaron, what about yourself? Which one gives you more satisfaction? You know, a couple of NBA, uh, WNBA championships over there is huge on the world scene. Little yeah. old Rosie Rules just starting in the AFLW, very much in its embryonic stages here in Australia. Which one, you know, you've won premierships in both. Which one gives you the more, more satisfaction? Look, it's really hard, PT, because, look, I, I grew up loving AFL. And obviously, Dad, I was born over in Melbourne while Dad was playing for Collingwood. So football was kind of in my DNA. And it was only because of, basically, I was allowed to keep playing football with the boys that I had to go and play basketball. And very fortunate to make a career, you know, playing at the highest level, playing in the WNBA, winning two titles. is so, so special. And uh, But there is something even more special to just, you know, come back home and, and be a part of something really special here in Australia with the AFLW and the growth that it's continuing to drive. And look, I, I, it's hard. Like, it's hard to pick one. It's like picking your favourite child. You know, you, sh- yeah. you shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you generally have one. So which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> Depends what day it is. <laughs> uh, you're obviously a, a freak yourself. But, I mean, how, how, how difficult would it be, and Ed just touched on it before, for someone from a foreign country to come and adapt to Australian rules. We've seen the Irish players do it in the men's game here. Do you think it is possible that women could eventually do it? I know we've already got one or two, I think, Americans here now. Look, I'd love to see a women's game be brought over to the USA. Obviously, it's it's crazy times right now, but I was chatting with the USAFL and, and floated the idea of even just coming to play an exhibition game somewhere in the United States and just because you know, the fact that if you, if you can see it and and be um and see it for themselves and bring the game to the other side of the world, I mean that's you have better chances of of recruiting and and showing off a great game. Well, I just think it's a it's a no-brainer that we should be doing this as women's sport yep. becomes bigger and bigger. This is yep. something we should be doing. Oh, absolutely! And look, I've already got a, a few girls uh, potentially lined up that once they finish their WNBA career, they want to come and and have a go at footy. So. You know, we're talking six foot plus girls, um, you know, big tall, tall timbers trying to, to, you know, put them in the ruck uh, in, in footy. I mean, they're very excited. So and I think there's definitely potential, um, like you said, if you can bring the bring our great game and, and showcase it, then we'll definitely uh, get a lot of interest, I reckon. Yeah, I think the pathway is really important, Erin. You touched on this before. I mean, uninterrupted. You, yours was interrupted, so you went off mm. to play another sport in America. For the yep. first time ever in Australia over the last couple of years, young girls can now come through a pathway uninterrupted all the way into senior football. What do you think? Another five or ten years before we see just about every player that will have been on that pathway and therefore better coached and more highly skilled? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, BT. I mean, I, I've, I go out and watch um, a lot of the Auskick or just the local. My nieces play local um, junior footy here in South Australia and just the skill level is just mind-blowing. You know, these are young eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds playing, and I just thank God the opportunities that they have now to to get to the AFLW and to to play at the highest level with the footy is just unreal. So I'm very excited. Like you said, five or ten years, the skill level uh, is just, it's going to be through the roof. You're listening to Erin Phillips, superstar of the WNBA and Australian Rules Football on Aussie Footy Rules America. Uh, Aaron, uh, can I ask you uh, about this? Uh, I think that there's a real opportunity now 
particularly for somebody like you, uh, to come through and the crossover between the men's game and the women's game, uh, largely because of the reduction in salary cap uh, that's going to be in as far as the soft cap on coaching in the men's mm-hmm. and the women's game, the opportunity for people who have got real understanding of the game, whether it's man or woman, is going to start to manifest itself. Do you, do you feel that now is the opportunity for people, particularly like you, to be able to get across both men's and women's footy? Oh, absolutely. Look, I've been really fortunate with the Adelaide Football Club uh, to be invited into, you know, to the, the men's inner sanctum and, and learn from their program and 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 bring things back across to, to the women's uh, program. So, we, you know, Matthew Clark is our coach. He's obviously the right coach uh, for the men. So it's been really nice to be able to work across both teams, especially now with so much more opportunities for women in football. Uh, obviously myself in particular it's something I'm really really interested in so yeah it's it's a a fantastic time to be able to be a part of both. Erin you mentioned before that you were born in Melbourne when your father Greg Phillips was playing for Collingwood he was Mm -hmm. a superstar with the Port Adelaide Football Club in the uh, SANFL before Port Adelaide came into the AFL competition what was it like for you to be watching your father become an AFL Hall of Famer and for people all to turn to each other and say, Mm. you know, that's Aaron Phillips' dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, for many years, uh, I was always known as Greg Phillips' daughter. So the tables have, you know, slightly turned. But look, I was just so, so happy for him. It was uh, very, very emotional uh, when he told us. And, you know, my dad's a, he's a big guy, very humble, um, doesn't really care about the accolades, but he was just, when he told us, he was so emotional. It was probably one of the most emotional times I've seen my old man. So, you know, it was fantastic. His career, you know, both in the Sandfall, the VFL has been incredible. So just so, so proud of him. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be any more proud. And he actually, I don't know whether you know this, Ed, when I was at Collingwood at the same time as what Greg was playing there, he actually mm-hmm. actually organised one of the best footy trips away to Port Lincoln. We <laughs> had an absolute wow of a time. And Flipper put all of that together. And uh, so he's... He's a good organiser as well, Ed. <laughs> so, Brian, what, what makes a good footy trip to Port Lincoln? <laughs> well, the races were on. Uh, yeah. We knew the local yeah. publican there, so we all stayed there. So it was sort of free drinks, and then the races were pretty good as well. We played up a little bit. but Yeah, I can imagine. What, yeah. Yeah. And, what, what and makes but, a good footy and, trip? One that's very loose, Ed. That's what exactly, and, and I would have thought, uh, Brian, that Port Lincoln, uh, for, for, for our friends in America, is in South Australia. It's the mm-hmm. tuna fishing capital of Australia. Uh, so there's a lot of fishermen, there's uh, a lot of uh, alcohol consumed, yes. there's a lot of fun, and uh, there's a lot of sharks as well. Did you see any <laughs> sharks over there, Brian, or were they all with you on the Collingwood trip? No, they're all on the trip, and they're all in the pub, <laughs> and uh, we stayed uh, we stayed local, Ed. We didn't venture off the coast to the great white sharks, that's for sure. Is it true, PT, oh, just on that story, because Dad does tell it, that he, uh, he had a couple of esky full of beer when you're out fishing, and he put all the South Australian West Ends on top, and you guys all complained because you, you only drink the Victorian beer, which he hit. He had hit under the uh, at the bottom of the esky. <laughs> that is one hundred percent true, and we all got sick. We didn't realise it was seasickness, but it was we called it West End sickness. So, Erin, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure they would have pushed through the barrier there to just drink the beer that was on the boat. No doubt oh, about sure that. Oh, sure they would have. Yeah, absolutely. Erin, uh, uh, if you want to have a shout out to your friends in America, what would you like to tell them on our show this this afternoon? Yeah, obviously, um, I'm, I'm still here in South Australia and can't get back um, because of the, the virus and our flight keeps getting cancelled. So just wishing everyone uh, over there all the best, uh, especially 
to my former organisation that I coach with, the Dallas Wings. Uh, they're actually all in Florida at the moment in a hub. So, look, to all the WNBA fans uh, over there, just uh, wishing you all the best and hopefully we'll get back to America soon and get back to normal. Erin, you're a superstar of basketball and Australian football and just one of the great personalities in our sport. As I mentioned in the introduction, certainly Brian and I, but I think the uh, the greater public regard you as one of our greatest ever sports people and uh, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, Erin. Thanks, boys. Appreciate the chat. Erin Phillips joins us on Aussie Rules America on our great friends Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211. This is Sirius XM. Coming up next, two of Australia's greatest sports people and two of the most influential Indigenous Australians in our history. They'll be speaking to you on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. Hey everyone, this is Lisa Ann and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on SiriusXM. Each week I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. The biggest bumps. Unbelievable hit. The highest marks. Wow! the mark of the year. The most exciting game in the world. Australian Rules Football is on Sirius XM. Now here's your host of Aussie Football Rules America, Eddie Maguire. Yes, joining me, Brian Taylor, as always, on Aussie Footy Rules America. And it is a pleasure on this Pastor Sir Doug Nichols weekend where we celebrate Indigenous football at its highest level that we introduced two of the greatest legends of Australian sport. The fact that they're Indigenous just makes it even better, and that is Michael Long, the man who played 190 games for Essendon, two-time Essendon Premiership player, 1993 and 2000. The best on ground, the most valuable player, the Norm Smith medalist in 1993, twice an All-Australian, and a great community person. Longy, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Ed. I'm going to come back to you in a moment because I want to introduce somebody who you've just happened to bring along with you. And I speak of the first Indigenous Australian to win an Olympic gold medal in field hockey back in 1996. Just an unbelievable situation for Nova Paris uh, coming in as a young woman into the Australian team, winning the Olympic gold medal. Also won two times champions trophies, uh, the World Cup in the uh, game of field hockey, then transferred over to become an Australian champion in uh, athletics, the 200-metre gold medalist at the Kuala Lumpur Commonwealth Games and the gold medalist in the 4x100, Nova Paris, who then, of course, Brian, just happened to go on to become Senator Nova Paris, if you don't mind. Welcome, Nova, to the show. Thanks for having me, Eddie. Great to have you, Michael. Can I come back to you, first of all, Michael, because the Indigenous Round is something that you have played such a huge role in. The Michael Long Foundation doing great things for young Indigenous athletes coming through. But it all goes back to your stand against racism all those years ago now. I hope you feel the love and the support that is there for Indigenous Australians and particularly Indigenous footballers, that black footballers matter, that you've been such a focal point on. Yeah, well... um... Obviously, the, the Indigenous Round has just um, uh, taken off and having it up here this weekend was even sweeter, you know, um, in your hometown. Look at something that's just grown enormously in the players and clubs who've, with the jumpers and design of the jumpers and uh, and, uh, and the racial vilification has been a part of that. But it's a game that's celebrated across Australia and that's one thing you're really proud of 
And I, I had a chat with Nikki Winmar uh, before this weekend's mass, just reminiscing about, you know, what this round means. And because uh, it celebrated Uncle Sid Jackson, as past legend of, of uh, the Carlton Football Club, this weekend, which was something uh, um, which every year a player is acknowledged. Um, and Uncle Sid was this year. So it was magnificent this weekend, having it at home and, and two games on the Friday nights and Saturday nights. Home being, of course, Darwin, where we find Michael and Nova today. It was sensational. Normally the game is the dream time at the G, at the MCG, the home of football. This time was the dream time at the T, at TIO Stadium in Darwin. <laughs> but I'll tell you what it did. It just, uh, it, there was a, there was a, it just seemed to be a relaxed atmosphere. There was a familiarity Connection. amongst people to see so many Indigenous uh, boys and girls and families in the crowd. And then to see players like Irving Mosquito and uh, Walla uh, was just unbelievable playing for the Essendon Football Club. Uh, that's McDonald Tippin Woody, of course, who's just a sensational player, Anthony McDonald Tippin Woody. It just brought so much to the game. But what I loved especially was the welcome to country. These things can become official. This was a genuine welcome to country from Richard Fajo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Richard Fijo, and I'm a Larrakia man of direct male descent of the Larrakia from my father, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather in what Aboriginal culture calls grandfather law. We, the Larrakia, the traditional owners and custodians of Darwin and its surrounding regions, and since the time of the Dreamtime, our people have been the first people to walk across this land. But as I walk, as I see tonight, people from all over the world have joined us this evening. And I see you in the crowd, and I see you on the football field. And it's my honour to welcome you to Darwin and Larrakia land. I have a special welcome tonight because tonight I want to acknowledge all Larrakia who are in attendance. I want to welcome the Tiwi people. I want to welcome the Jawan people. I want to welcome the Anandiliyakwa people. I want to welcome the Buran Partha people. I want to welcome the Walpuri and the Wurrumungu people. I want to welcome the Aranda people because we're all countrymen. I want to welcome the Yamaji. I want to welcome the Nungas. I want to welcome the Kuris, the Murrays, the Nangas. I want to welcome the brothers and sisters from Tasmania. And I want to welcome our Torres Strait Islander brothers and sisters and Indigenous people from all around the world. And I want to welcome our non-Indigenous people to Darwin and Larrakia country. Now that is an intro, Brian. That yeah, is that an is intro. A <laughs> that is a I welcome don't think they to left country. anyone out, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Nova and uh, Michael, what I loved about that was getting uh, people to get a, an appreciation to how many Indigenous mobs there are right around the country because, you know, we're a bit slow to learn the white fella and we talk about uh, Indigenous or Aboriginal people. 
But uh, we're starting to slowly learn the differences of the different uh, areas, the different mobs, the tribes of Australian Indigenous people and the coming together and then the coming together as all of us together as Australians. Now, this show going to America, Black Lives Matter, Black Football has mattered over the weekend here. The Australian Football League has uh, taken a knee in support of Black Lives Matter in the United States and right around the world. And you two people have played such a significant role in opening the eyes and uh, really making this thing happen. Tell me your reaction to all of that. Yeah, and it's, you know, like I've known Richard BJ for a very, very long time. And I don't know if you knew that that's actually Brandon Parfitt's uncle. Um, Yeah, so Brandon Parfitt's um, my nephew, of course, but that's his uncle from his father's side. So for him to get up there and everyone around me would just had goosebumps. We're like, yeah, it was just, it was just phenomenal. And you are right, Ed, you know, people don't realize that, you know, pre-colonization, there are over 500 different languages, language groups and nations right across this country. But of course, you know, there are so many things that unite us, you know, through sports and, you know, sort of, I guess the, the things that sports does for people, it brings people together. And, you know, that was just beautiful. And, you know, we, that weekend wasn't without its its controversy as well. And, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on a bit later with the Aboriginal flag. But, you know, I just think it was absolutely beautiful. And up here in the Northern Territory, 40% of the population is Aboriginal, um, represented by over 70 different nations um, across here in the Northern Territory. So, yeah, beautiful showcase. And it was just spectacular. Yeah, agree totally with you there, Nova. To you, Longy, this Dreamtime game and this weekend of football up in Darwin, and I've been involved in the games in Alice Springs over the last couple of years, once a year they have them there, been fantastic. Would you like to see the Dreamtime game go permanently to the Northern Territory or do you think it serves its purpose in the middle of Melbourne at the MCG? Look, um, we were just lucky to have part of the hub, uh, the two games, but it was, I think it was, one of the biggest viewings I think they've had is uh, the Indigenous round. Um, but I, I suppose it, it sort of uh, puts it out there, the question, do we share it as part of a, the game you know, around other states? But uh, oh, look, we'd love to have it here again because we only had, uh, I think, 5,000 of the crowd where we'd normally get 12,000. So I think we sort of put it to the, the AFL, you know, as a make-up game. We'd love to get a, a full crowd and you could just imagine what the um, reaction of the people and obviously this weekend's gone off so well. Um, yeah, we'd love to have another game here, but we'd also like to share it because I think it's it's the people's game and, and, um, and I think showcasing in other states, you know, just adds to our, the education, what the players are doing and obviously with the designs of the jumper, you know, football just keeps on continually growing and in the spotlight this week on Indigenous issues like the flag and the players of where they're from. Uncle City Jackson, um, you know, it's just, I think that's a great thing what football brings. Can I throw this up? I think the dream time at the G, when it is just so full, makes a huge impact here in Melbourne. And I think that plays a, a huge role in reconciliation and driving issues in Melbourne. I'd love to see a game played in Darwin between a, a you know, certainly one of the big AFL clubs as well. So it's not just a, a token game, if you like. But maybe we played on the 27th of May, which, of course, was the day that uh, commemorates the referendum that mm-hmm. uh, shamefully took until 1967 to recognise Indigenous people in Australia in their own land. You know, May the 27th, you know, like you said, Ed, it's, it's the start of Reconciliation Week. 
you know, that's also the time when Dreamtime at the G sort of does begin, and that's where we most um, have always started the the walk in from Federation Square into the the Dreamtime. But you know, absolutely right, Ed. It's something that we should have discussions because having Reconciliation Week is a big event, and it's like you said, the start of the '67 referendum. And it ended on uh, June the 3rd when Eddie Marber went to the High Court after 10 years of fighting to knock out Terra Nalius, which it wasn't no man's land. It was the, the land belonging to Aboriginal people and we'd survived and flourished for some 50,000 years. Hey, Nova, can I ask you, as a mm-hmm. senator in the Australian government, as an Australian who has represented her country, to look back at 67, can you just maybe explain to our American friends who are listening about... The evolution, particularly in recent times, of white Australia coming around to the idea of Indigenous Australia and just what that means to you as a mother, as a citizen, as a sports person to see these giant strides that have been taken in recent times. It's paramount and we we often talk about symbolism, you know. We think back to Peter Norman, you know, standing on that dais at the 1968 Mexico Olympics with Tommy Smith and Johnny Carlos. Symbolism means so much and that 1967 referendum when Aboriginal people were counted in the census, it says, we value you, we acknowledge you that you are citizens of this country. That's what that statement means. And then when you look at what happened in the High Court decision of knocking out Terranalius, again, the, the message was, we value you Aboriginal people, we respect you, and we acknowledge your long history and connection. So what message has that sent for such a long time that our lives hasn't mattered because you haven't counted us as, as citizens. You you haven't acknowledged our long connection. So we've been dismissed from the landscape. We've been dismissed from the very DNA of this country and why it exists. So when we acknowledge the symbolism, when we celebrate us as a race of people, you're bringing us with you on, on the equilibrium of what it means to be a, a human citizen. You're valuing us as human beings. So it's important and we have to keep acknowledging and celebrating. And for me, the more that times that we can celebrate and recognise and love and honour our culture, it means so much to us. And, you know, you look at young Irving Mosquito, who's also my nephew from the, the Kimberleys, to see him and what he brought to the game and how many non-Indigenous people were uplifted by his celebration. So um, the more we can do that, you know, we stand as a united country. Well, Nova, you've, uh, you've mentioned uh, your relatives there. And, uh, Michael, I'll come back in a moment and speak to you about this because the Long Rioli name uh, is just permeated right through the success and the greatest players in the modern era of Australian rules football. Uh, Michael and Nova, stick with us. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. and I want to talk to you about how somebody has somehow been able to get their hands and appropriate the Indigenous flag and how we're going to fight to free that flag. That's next right here on Aussie Footy Rules America. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Eddie Maguire is bringing Australian rules football to the States. From sausage rolls and speckies to selling some candy. This is Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. 
This is Aussie Footy Rules America on Dan Patrick Radio 211 Sirius XM. We're speaking to two of the greatest athletes in Australian history, Michael Long of the Essendon Football Club, Nova Paris, athlete, uh, champion hockey player, senator, and Michael Long, human rights activist who walked from Melbourne to Canberra to knock on the Prime Minister's door when he wouldn't actually take a call. And in the end, not only did he take the call, he sat down with Michael Long and it was the start of a long walk that we continue walking behind you guys, alongside you guys and with you guys as we try to make our country a better place. And when we look at Black Lives Matters in America, I think Australia has a big role to play in the reconciliation right around the world of these various cultures. Uh, Michael and Nova, can I put to you, can you explain to the American people and to us in Australia as well, how... Did this amazing flag, one of the great symbols of Indigenous Australia, how did it end up being commercialised and taken away from the Indigenous people? So the, the background history of the Aboriginal flag. So in 1971, a flag was flown in Adelaide, which was the, the start of what we call now NAIDOC Week, which is a celebration of Aboriginal people's cultures. And then 12 months later, or not quite 12 months later, February, I think, of 1972, an Aboriginal activist during the, the, the civil rights movement, a guy called Gary Foley, took the flag, this Aboriginal flag, to Canberra, which was the Tent Embassy. And at the Tent Embassy, Aboriginal Tent Embassy, is where a lot of the Aboriginal human rights and civil rights activists were there at the footsteps of Parliament House. And it was there, this flag, which was representative, the black representing the people, the red representing the earth, the yellow, the sun, the giver of life, was presented at the tent embassy and, and it was said to us as Aboriginal people, do you want this flag to represent us? Because we needed uh, a symbol that was, you know, off the back of the civil rights movement, something that brought us together. Because we just talked about how we're all got different nations, but this one flag represented us. So we as Aboriginal people said, yes, we want this, this represents us. So we sort of feel that we have had an implied license. It was implied to us when we adopted the flag in 1972 that this flag belonged to us. And so what happened, Ed, from there, Aboriginal people ran with the flag, non-Indigenous people recognised the flag as a flag re representing the Aboriginal people. Then in 1994, when Cathy Freeman, this is the, I understand the first time it was flown internationally, she grabbed that flag and ran when she won the Commonwealth Games in, uh, in Canada. Now the IAAF, the International Athletics Amateur Federation, did not disqualify Cathy Freeman, even though the rules say that you have to run under your country's flag. She should have run with the Australian flag, but she ran with the Aboriginal flag. So the Aboriginal flag was representative of us as sovereign people of this country. And so she wasn't disqualified. And then the following year when Paul Keating was the, um, the Prime Minister and, and um, Bill Hayden was the Governor General, 1995 it was proclaimed the flag of this country along with the Torres Strait Islanders. So the Aboriginal flag got equal status as the Australian flag. Then two years later, Harold Thomas goes to the uh, the federal court to claim authorship. He was successful by, we call a, a Bradbury, where two other people rocked up. Harold never once 
produced artwork. He never once produced a flag, but it was his confession that convinced the judge to say, yep, you're the author of this flag. Then he went for copyright. And my understanding, he was from the copyright, then he was compensated from the government who had used the flag. And then so the copyright, our flag that symbolized us, recognized our sovereignty was trademarked. And so ever since then, it's been commercialized where he sold the license off to ATSIC, which was a, a peak body, it was a government body in 2004. He got heavily compensated once again for the license for Aboriginal people to use the flag freely. ATSIC folded. And then this other organization came on um, in December of 2018. And we've been referring to them as a, um, as a, um, a disgraceful company because one of the, the company owners in uh, 2018 was fined $2.3 million for importing fraudulent Aboriginal art made in Indonesia, painted by Indonesians, and he, he profited off that. So he's profited off fake Aboriginal art, sold it as authentic art, taken to the ACCC, fined $2.3 million, liquidated that, and now Aboriginal people have to go to his company and ask for permission to use the flag. So we're pretty angry about this. Yeah, and so are we in the Whitefella community as well, Nova, and uh, you've got our full support. And, uh, Michael, it must uh, just do your head in when you see that, that uh, yet again uh, a major symbol of Indigenous Australia has been misappropriated by uh, a, a white organisation. Yeah, and one of the things that Nova mentioned before, ATSIC is a you know, Commonwealth statutory body. So anything that was put through ATSIC was actually owned by the Commonwealth. And, and the Flag Act, you know, um, no one can actually own or profit from a flag, and that includes the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander flag. Yeah, and it just, um, obviously this week, um, uh, with not having the flag on the ground, uh, not just us, there's a lot of people really disappointed, and, and Nikki rang me, Nikki Winmar rang me as well, next champion of St Kilda, um, you know, sharing his disappointment. So, you know, this company was holding the AFL ransom, you know, not, not being able to use the flag this weekend. And as Nova said, you know, we, we've given rise to this flag over so many years, and so many ex-politicians, Aboriginal men, women, women and community have given rise to this flag, and and I think Travis Barker this weekend and Collingwood Football Club and uh, most of the clubs are actually wearing the free the flag this week. We just showed that you know, they're disappointed and how important the flag was to this weekend. So, and um, we've obviously got a lot of support from a lot of people, but this still needs to be elevated Ed, to to the highest level yeah. to the Prime Minister and the Governor General, um, which we're going to try and continue the the plight for the flag. Oh, no, we're, we're, everyone's in it. Uh, this has got a lot of people upset, no doubt about that. So let's get that sorted. Hey, if I could just uh, change tack a little bit, because that's going to be a big story and it's going to be one we're all going to work on together. Can I just uh, go to you, Michael? I want to play a highlight that just might make you smile today. In the middle. Now Michael Long. Look at this boy go. Away goes Michael Long. 50 metres out. Still going. 30 metres out. What does it make you feel like, Longy, when you hear that from many, many years ago? A big play, and it's heavily highlighted these days. When you hear that, what are you thinking? 
Well, we've got Nova Paris here, you know, Commonwealth medalist, gold medalist, and I don't know if I could run fast as her, but uh, <laughs> not now, anyway. But um, yeah, like you know what it's like, BT. It's just um, moments you you reflect on career, and you know that 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 moment, the baby bombers, and uh, the goal was uh, yeah something you'll always treasure. You know, and it always comes up in discussion. Was it touched? What was it touched? And and I asked off. And he said he definitely wasn't touched. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was the 1993 grand final, and I encourage all the American listeners to get onto uh, YouTube and have a look at Michael Long 1993 grand final. It is electrifying in front of a hundred thousand people at the MCG. Hey, uh, Nova, you mentioned uh, Irving Mosquito is a relative of yours. We're about to throw to the Essendon Tigers game up there in Darwin as part of Doug Nichols' round. Tell me about Irving Mosquito and uh, Michael. What was it like for you as an old Essendon man to see Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody and then Irving Mosquito go back to back with goals that they were just sensational. Where we were when, when Irving, you know, for him to kick the first goal of the Bombers, it, that was just electrifying. And, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, making your debut and the pressure was on because he had all his family come from the Kimberleys up this way and we're all there screaming for it. And when he kicked it, oh my God, there's just, it was the uproar of the maxed out crowd of all of bloody 5,000 people were all on their feet. It was just incredible. And, you know, couldn't have been more happy for him. And, and it wasn't just that the second goal was just absolutely electrifying. And again, you know, with, with Tipper as well, him being there and all the family coming over from the Tiwis was just absolutely sensational. No, I just brought the, the house down in because it actually happened right in front of us and, and you could just see, you could sort of see it actually going to happen. And um, and what a way to play your first match. And Daniel, obviously, on the other side. And Richmond and Essendon have a have had a rich history uh, in Darwin, which goes deep. And obviously with Morris, and um, obviously with Essendon as well, with Kevin Sheedy. And you know they're they're still doing uh, a lot a lot of things on the island and the academy stuff with, with the Bombers. So it uh, was quite special that. We actually got the game here, but the connection goes deep with, with both teams and the history of, of the club and what they've had. And I know, you know BTR, I think I remember as a kid, Cheese come up and, and Morris brought um, uh, Michael Mitchell. I reckon the Ghosts come up as well. Um, yep. Jimmy I don't know Pierce. if Michael Rhodes come up. So there was a few that came up and I can't remember what it was for, but, you know, that there we didn't see too much of the footy with the winners back then. But, uh, you know, we, we were actually so proud of Morris you know, what, what do you achieve and put the Northern Territory and, and football on the map and coming from a, a small community of 200, you know, on the Tiwi Islands and then a number of players had come from there like Benny Vagana and, and Ronnie Byrne and um, yeah. Willie Rioli um, and even Rioli. his father. Yeah. Bastion, there's, there's some great talent and unique talent that we love to see on the TV and need to bring some of that stuff back, you know, so it just breaks up that not me of, of how we play the game. We need that skill and flair back in the game. Certainly do, mate. It's uh, been wonderful. And don't forget Shea Bolton of uh, the Richmond Football Club, named best on the ground yeah. in this year's game. The past us a Doug Nichols round of football. It is a highlight now. It is just such a, an important thing to have on our football calendar. And uh, to you, Nova, and to Michael, uh, uh, more strength to your arm in this battle to win back the flag for Indigenous people. And you've got our full support. You know that. We're with you every step of the way.